Thank you, as always, for listening to Caleb vs. Self. On this episode, I get a chance to speak with Jesse Cruz. He is the author of Live Your Dash. It's a fascinating conversation. We talk about the moment he realized that he needed to make a change in life, the importance of sharing your pain in order to move on and grow, as well as why we should continue to always work on our talents. You can find his book at Barnes & Nobles, Amazon Books, Google Books. You can also find him on Twitter, Facebook, and LinkedIn. Uh, this conversation was a pretty special one for me since he and I actually served at the same post at Fort Hood, albeit at different times. Um, the thing that I appreciated ultimately is that this is a, a veteran who found purpose in life and is continuing to drive forward regardless of what's put in front of him. He obviously had been through some very rough experiences and again, he's pushing to make it a positive one. He continues to push. I know he's working on a second book. I look forward to when that comes out. Ultimately, with this conversation, I, I really hope that you guys get something out of this. I, I know that I absolutely did, and again, I can't say it enough. Thank you, Jesse. I appreciate all the time you've given us. All right, Jesse, I, I appreciate the time. Um, I know we've been kind of back and forth a little bit. I was sick a little bit, so I apologize for, for the delay in being able to make this happen, but I do appreciate you taking the time and, and hopping on to talk to me. Well, thank you so much, Caleb. I appreciate the opportunity to, to have this conversation with you. Absolutely. With me is uh, Jesse Cruz, author of Live Your Dash, a uh, Western New York native that served in the United States military, uh, came back, got a degree, um, works with youth. Um, and, and obviously, you've got this book. You've got a second book hopefully coming out in, in the near future, which uh, a lot of people I'm sure are excited about. So first and foremost, one of the things that really attracted me to you, your message, what you talk about is this, this ability that it seems that you have to be very aware of what you're going through and how to try to right, correct the direction you're headed, especially with, uh, with the 8Fs. So with that, um, how did you recognize that, that you needed to make that change you know, in your life? I know in one interview I heard, you know, you came off on the parade field after coming back from Iraq and, and nobody was there for you. What is that feeling like? And, and more specifically for other people, how do they potentially identify when they're in maybe a similar place as you? Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of it starts with, you know, evaluating, you know, and for me, the quality of your life is directly related to the quality of your relationships. So people who want to be successful, people who want to, you know, have this fulfillment, this purpose, this peace, and this joy, you're not ever going to get it outside of quality, healthy relationships. And so for me, that's where it all starts, is, is having your priorities in line with your most important intimate relationships and making sure you make the time out for them and to nurture them and to care for them. And once you're able to do that in an appropriate way, you're able to accomplish much more um, goals or tasks of things that you are trying to accomplish in your life. So, but for me, it just starts with the relationships that you have. That's, and that's really interesting because one of the things obviously that you do, I, I kind of mentioned briefly before is you, you work with, with youth and in, in a couple of other, in other interviews that I've heard you talk on, you talk a lot about the influence that those people had when you first started there. Um, maybe not necessarily the kids, but I'm sure the kids as well as other people that you worked with there how how does that impact you like like them it seems like there's some kind of a mentorship is that something that is important is that something that you kind of factor into how you lead your life yeah i think any successful person will tell you they have a mentor um, because 
success can't happen in isolation. You know what I mean? If you want to achieve something great, you're going to need a team. You're going to need, you know, what I call is the dream team of supporters. You know, for me, it's, it's finding people who are where I want to be. And how do I get to where they are? Is that I get to know those people. I ask them questions. I learn from them. I do life with them. You know what I mean? And just learning from those people can shortcut my path to success. You know, instead of trying to learn it all myself and figure it all by my, you know, by my lonesome, it's like it could take me 10, 20, 30 years, a lifetime to learn something that could be condensed down into weeks, days, or months. And I think that when you take the time to not only, first of all, you're, you're, you have a mentor, you know, I think everyone should have multiple mentors because certain mentors provide certain different things other mentors can't and then we need to, mm-hmm. to take that information and knowledge and pass it along we become mentors for other people as well how do you find those people how do you find a mentor because i think that's the other thing a lot of people challenge are, are challenged with it we've got our phones in front of us all day long people are tweeting and posting and right you, they're not in their own headspace how, how do you go about finding a mentor especially today I think it's having clarity in your purpose. So if there's a person who, and I'm just going to make up an example here, but this is relevant for everyone. If, if someone wants to lose weight and they want to get fit, well, all of a sudden, if you're trying to do that, you need to start putting yourself in an environment where that thing is happening. That means you may have to get off your couch and you go get a membership at a gym. And now you're putting yourself in an environment where that type of behavior is encouraged. It's supported. It's cheered on. It's rewarded. So it's finding these locations, whether that's a gym or whether if you, if you don't want to go to a gym, okay, then you can look online. It's doing your research, you know, finding a YouTube channel, um, researching people, reading books about whatever that topic, that thing that matters to you most, that thing that you're trying to fix, that thing you're trying to improve and grow upon. You must do your research, first of all, on finding the people who are world class at that. You know what I mean, so you're learning from people sometimes from a far a further away distance. But then from there, you've got to use your own social network of people, your family, your friends, your coworkers, your neighbors, your network. And, you know, say, hey, I'm, if you tell all your friends and family, hey, I'm, I'm trying to lose 20 pounds. Do you know anyone that could help me? And you keep asking. And eventually someone's going to point you in the right direction. And that's so, how you get a mentor is that you, it's through people. Gotcha. So a lot of it, it sounds like if I'm going through the steps that you're kind of describing, right? First and foremost, you got to know what, what you want. Number two, you have to put yourself situationally or in an environment where you feel like that can happen. And, and it sounds like you're saying by virtue of doing those first two steps, you're way more likely to find somebody who not only is going to be a mentor, but an appropriate mentor, someone who's going to be helping you towards your actual goal. Yeah. I mean, and on the flip side of that, you know, the opposite is also true. If, if I'm trying to get sober, mm-hmm. I need to stop going to the bar. You know what right. I mean? So it's like, how am I going to find people who are sober? It's not going to be in the bar. So a lot of times people are looking in the wrong area because they don't know really what they want. So they kind of just, whatever the environment is around them, they just kind of adapt to it, even if it's not really what they truly want. If it's not the highest calling and purpose, they just kind of, I think a lot of people don't, um, know what they want so they kind of see what other people are doing and then they just imitate that and what mm. that does is that does, that it limits your ability to find out your purpose and, you know that's why having a mentor an appropriate one who is is standing in the location that you want to be is is a great way to get there you know what i mean it's it, that's just the way it needs to go and you know it's kind of like you know when you when you're driving in your car and you have a gps and you know you have your end destination there's these steps along the way to get there 
Okay? So you have to follow the necessary steps of clarity, knowing the direction where I'm going. Where is my end goal? Once you know your end goal, then you can work backwards from there and say, okay, what does it take for me to do that? What habits do I have to incorporate? Who do I have to talk to? Who do I have to form a relationship? What places do I have to stop going? What places do I have to start going? Yeah. Yeah. That negative space, I feel like, is, is things people don't talk about because everybody talks about wanting to go somewhere. But it's very rare, to your point, that somebody says, I need to stop going here, which, yeah, yeah, it's very fascinating because of the inverse, essentially. So if I keep going down that kind of path, um, one of the things that you talk about a lot as well is aside from having a mentor, but is sharing your personal struggle. And it seems like that's something that you, you know, have taken to heart when you talk about the challenges that you've been through. What is it that you think people are actually getting out of that? And, and why is it that you're so specific about making sure that you share what it is that you've been through and your personal struggles, whether they be, you know, with family or with just, you know, decision making as far as a career or anything like that? What, why is that so important to you? Well, first things first, I think when people share their struggle, it lets everyone listening know that, first of all, they're human. You know, because I, what, I've, what I've learned is that people, you know, may be impressed by your strengths, but they resonate with your weaknesses. You know what I mean? And once you're able to share, hey, you know, this, I've struggled with this, it allows everybody listening to also be a human as well. And not to pretend that we have it all together and not to put this image and facade of, yeah, you know what? Uh, everything is perfect. My life is fantastic. I think once you're able to share your darkest pain, that prepares you for your brightest moments. And that's why I'm intentional about sharing the worst day of my life, the worst days and worst moments of my life, because there's somebody out there who's experienced something similar or worse than me, and they may be struggling and they need to know that it's possible to have such a traumatic event, such a setback and a challenge that you can overcome, you can heal, you can work through it. And that's why I intentionally share my biggest struggles because I know other people are depending on to hear it. And the same with everybody else. Someone else's, your pain is going to be what heals somebody else. And that's why we need to share it. And you've done such a great job at that. I mean, more specifically, not too long ago, you you had put up a video of you reading the poem about your, your daughter. And if that didn't almost bring me to tears, man, how poignant that was and how important a moment right bad and good that was in your life in that moment i i I was shocked quite frankly for somebody to be able to be that open about that emotional experience and quite frankly it did exactly what you said right it made it made you to me feel human and feel like you know if, if jesse can do this if he can overcome everything he's overcome what excuses am i making for myself exactly that's exactly right. Uh, I, and I appreciate you sharing that. Um, another, it seems to be at least, um, poignant experience that you had that may have impacted, whether it be your faith or, or your relationships, was, uh, I think it was 2015, it says that you went on a missions trip to the Dominican Republic with your, with your wife, I believe, correct? Correct. What impact did that trip in any way, shape, or form have on you or more specifically the book live your dash on, on any of those F's that you talk about? Um, well, I mean, it definitely had a huge impact on my life. So it was a, it was a big step of faith. You know, I mean, my, I didn't have dreams of becoming a missionary and, you know, it was never my dream. 
You know what mm-hmm. I mean? But, you know, my, my wife felt called to do it. And she wanted me to join her on this journey of faith that we were on. And I said, yeah, let's do this. You know I mean? We didn't really know what to expect. You know, they kind of told us what would be, we'd be doing, but you never really know what to expect until you're actually in the streets. You know I mean? We were in the streets of complete poverty where there was not food, electricity, running water. And um, seeing these kids' faces light up when we came by to, to share a message of hope and love with them. It was, it was amazing to me. You know, we poured out our hearts every single day. And it was amazing because I knew that while I was there, I was I was completely in the right place at the right time. You know, that was that was God's plan, not mine. And I was just trying to be obedient and doing what I was called to do. And that was just, just the love on people. You know, and the people in, in such um difficult circumstances to know that they're still valued and that they still matter was huge. You know what I mean? I feel like I just try to continue to do that now that everybody's going through something. And that time in Dominican Republic, you know, it was a special moment, not only in growing my faith, but in, in developing with my marriage and then, you know, continuing to share those experiences with my children and other listeners. I'm, I'm just thankful to have the opportunity to be able to do that. So you talk about their, you know, obviously, you know, being on the streets of, of extremely impoverished people and being able to bring them some level of, of hope or or wisdom or, or spirituality to that. When you come back to the States, do you feel that it's harder to do that here because a lot of us seem to have this, like, facade, this mask that is seemingly impenetrable at times? Yeah, it's interesting because literally the moment I landed back in the United States, my complete mood changed. Um, it was really? just, um, I could just couldn't believe the, the, the mood that I had while I was in Dominican Republic completely turned to negative when I came back to America. And that's just terrible for me to say, but that's exactly how I felt. Um, because I think I was, I was in such a loving environment with, you know, I think we had 60 to 70 people. Well, our daily our daily mission was to love and to pray and to serve and to give. And then when you walk out of that environment, it's like, oh my gosh, now what? You know, now it's just us and now it's we're not being held accountable at this high level that we were at and we kind of became cynical. And so that's why it's so important to have such a huge accountability with other people who are on the same mission because once you once you separate yourself from that, you can become selfish and complacent and lazy. And that's just kind of what happened. That's just wild. I, I'm like imagining walking off the airplane, right? Getting into the terminal and saying, oh, man, I'm back here. Even though this is America, it's a first world country and, and you just came from some extremely impoverished area. What value do you put on that type of, you know, community that loving that sharing that you experienced while you were on that mission trip so i'm sorry i couldn't hear that last part could you repeat the question yeah not a problem uh, what what type of value do you place on that that feeling that feeling of community where you guys were were held, holding each other accountable to such a degree and you were able to it sounds like achieve some level of of next level spirituality and then you come back here and, and it's not the same how do you like what value do you place on that that experience, especially spiritually? Um, I mean, it's huge to me. I mean, I didn't, I didn't really get connected with other people 
to in the degree that I was there till years later, you know, and that's why I became connected in um, small groups. When, once I got involved in small groups at my church years later, I'm like, man, this is how I should have been, you know, growing my faith all along. And, and I wasn't, I was just trying to do it by myself. And, you know, when you're trying to fulfill your purpose in life that has been designed for you, it can never be done alone. So when you have other people cheering you on, encouraging you, guiding you, opening doors for you to kind of guide you on that path, that it's amazing, you know, what they can do and, and you know, not just receive it, but then you get to give it to other people as well. And obviously you've been sharing your experiences, not just through your book, but, but you know, posting on on Facebook and, and LinkedIn and all these other places, your experience, where do you feel like right now that experience is starting to take you? Is, is, so I guess what I'm asking is, is, is that a feeling or do you feel like that's, that's a, a divine path that, that you're taking to get to that, whatever that next step may be? Well, I think that there's an amazing plan for every human being on earth. And whether you feel it or not, it's still there. And just because you don't feel something doesn't mean it's it's not happening. You know what I mean? So things still happen and whether we feel or know about them or not, they still exist. They still occur, whether we want to believe or know or feel. There's just certain things that are still going to happen. And so as I continue along this journey, you know, part of my mission is that I just want to spread this hope to other people. You know, on all social media platforms, at work, more importantly, within the four walls of my own home, my church mm-hmm. community, and people I come into contact with. It's just that understand that we're all in the same thing together. And when you have other people who are who are hurting, who can openly and honestly share what they've overcome, it, it inspires this hope in other people that they can do the same. Is that part of the next step for you is to start speaking about those experiences at, at, at more of a length? Yeah. So, I mean, the next step obviously is, um, you know, I'm currently looking for speaking engagements, you know, that's something I'm pursuing, you know what I mean? And trying to, my goal is that I'm going to take this message all over the world, you know, all over the United States, go internationally. And then, you know, I just want to reach as many people as possible. Yeah. I mean, it seems like a natural next step for you is to, start doing some level of public speaking and and it seems that you're you're starting to work out that starting to to do that and I know on one of the LinkedIn videos that you had posted not too long ago uh, given that we're into the new year you talk about um looking back at the old you and going forward as the new you and one thing that that I would ask you is what is it about looking back at the old you and getting rid of that old you what are people missing how do they get rid of that old you? Because you're very specific about talking about getting rid of that and moving on to new you. Although I think people don't understand how to reconcile that. I think when you, you have to reach basically what I've called like, I've, I've, I've had it moment. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You have to just reach your breaking point and say, I, I can no longer allow myself to live this way. And until you really reach that point, you're going to probably continue in the toxic habits and so you have to link an intense amount of pain to the person you were the habits that you had the relationships the finances um, your health you have to link pain to those old habits to say man those things that i was doing or not doing have caused a tremendous amount of pain 
And once you've linked enough pain to the poor habits that you have, then you will you will be influenced to now try to develop something new, new habits, and then you start to link pleasure to the new habits for the rewards that they provide. So just understanding how painful it has been to live the way you've been living. And that's where I was at. I was like, man, I had so much pain. And I was like, I just can't take it anymore. So I, I need to make a change. You know, I think everybody wants, you know, to make a change of some sort, but it's only the people who get to the point where they know that they need to is when they actually do it. Is that part of that forgiveness of, of all of your Fs, that, that reconciling? Because everyone talks about forgiveness in the context of forgiving what other people have done to you. But again, not a lot of people really talk about the forgiveness, forgiveness to oneself for the one for the mistakes that they've made. Is that part of connecting those dots? Absolutely. I don't think anyone can really advance far in life without forgiveness. I mean, forgiveness is one of the main things in life that holds people back, the lack of it. So if you have... If you've done some wrong things and you haven't forgiven yourself, you're going to live this whole entire life with guilt. If there's other people who have wronged you and you haven't truly forgiven them, you're going to live life with resentment. And if if you're not receiving forgiveness and you're not giving forgiveness, what you're doing is you're completely stuck. And once you're able to release yourself from the pain, and humble yourself to ask for that for forgiveness only then can you actually move forward with your life and and forgiveness is it's a continuous thing and it's not to let people off the hook it's not that they got away with it but it's truly forgiveness is to free yourself from pain for and for you that seems to link very heavily with your faith for people who maybe are not as spiritual is there a way for for people to do that without um that level of spirituality, whether it be a specific religion or anything like that, is there a way for other people to be able to achieve that level of forgiveness? Well, I personally believe that, you know, God is the answer for forgiveness. Um, and for the people who attempt to, to live a life of forgiving without him, um, you know, I think that it can be done. It just won't be done as efficiently. I mean, I feel like everything that you do outside without God's help is never is never a great a product or never a great result when it's done without him. So sure, a person can forgive. The hard part about it is like, you know, once you've committed yourself to this faith, there's a standard of forgiveness. And so if you inc- if you make forgiveness a part of one of your goals, one of your values, one of the things that you want to live into, you must decide that you're going to live a life of forgiveness in advance. So mm-hmm. it's deciding in advance. You know what? If a person cuts me off while I'm driving down the street, I'm not going to turn into road rage. I'm going to forgive them. Maybe they were in a rush. Maybe they had an emergency. You know, it's deciding in advance that when people hurt me, whether it's purposely or not, I'm going to just decide to forgive them. So then I can move forward with my day because a lot of times what happens is that someone may do something to hurt us and what they did to hurt us was only 10 seconds. Okay. They did something that took 10 seconds for them to hurt us, but we'll spend an entire day focusing on the 10 seconds or a week or a month and sometimes years. And sometimes people do it for a lifetime. Yeah. So, getting back to the smaller scale of, of someone, you know, disrespecting you or they're doing something rude throughout the day is that, we got to decide, is this a bad day or a bad moment? And a lot of times we let a bad moment turn into a bad day, which can turn into a bad week, month, year. And all of a sudden it turns into a lifestyle all because of one moment. So we just need to decide in advance, I'm going to choose to forgive 
no matter how much I may not want to, but I know that I need to. It seems like the longer you live that way as well, not only is it cyclical, but it's compounding. So just like you said, if you have a bad moment, it can turn into a bad day. Well, because you're having that bad day, you have this you know, poor attitude towards just everything throughout the day. All of a sudden, unbeknownst to you, doors are probably closing to you because I don't want to you know, if you're having a bad day, Jesse, and I come to say good morning and you're just being a grump, well, all right, cool. I'm not going to engage with this guy anymore. And now you've potentially lost an opportunity to gain a relationship, a friend, open a door, who knows what you may be closing yourself off to. Exactly. So with this level of, of self-awareness that that seems to be on you, I know I heard somebody call you an old soul at one point in one of your interviews. What is it about you and what is it about your thought process towards your life that you feel like may be different than others? I mean, obviously you've got this, the the eight Fs that you really try to focus on and you really try to uh, balance to a degree, but how do you get there? I mean, I know, I know you have to recognize that moment, but how do you then reconcile that? You know, we talked about forgiveness and I think at least for my listeners, a lot of the struggle tends to be is like, okay, I'm identifying the issue. I know where I want to go. That middle part is obviously the largest obstacle, the most difficult part. Is there anything else that you would tell those people specifically, whether it be, you know, a little nugget of wisdom or or something to get them over that hump so that they can take that step to get themselves in the right place, the right environment with the right people? How is it they take that step? Where do they go? Of what's been completely transforming my life is the ability to express gratitude. And you know, I started this habit pretty recently. And what I've noticed is that all my relationships have completely changed all because I say thank you. And it's just amazing because it sounds so simple, and which it is, but it's, it's profound because the moment you start to say thank you, what happens is that you, you shift your whole mindset to a mindset of abundance, a mindset of growth, and a mindset of prosperity and success. Because when you're when you're giving thanks, what you're saying is that I have enough, and I have more than I need. So when mm-hmm. I thank my wife, my relationship with her grows. When I thank my children, we become closer. When I thank my friends, family, anybody else, what I'm really saying is that my life is better because you're in it. And once you have this habit forming, and let me tell you, it's not easy. It, it's a discipline. So once you're thanking people consistently throughout your day. And thanking God for all that he's provided. All of a sudden, you're just like, wow, I have so much. And once you start to think about how much that you have, your whole mood and behavior and how you treat people is completely different. Because let me tell you what, you can't be a jerk and be thankful at the same time. You just can't. Those two don't go together. You can't be selfish and self-centered when you're thanking others for their for their purpose in your life you can't you can't be having this victim mentality when you're in constant gratitude and what it does it it literally rewires the brain to think about the positive because our brains are naturally wired to think about the negatives so we're easy it's very easy for the human mind to point out something negative because the brain is designed for survival so it points out all the things that goes wrong around it but the problem about that is it becomes toxic and negative So you have to literally focus on how to find the little things to be thankful for. And as soon as you're able to consistently do that multiple times throughout your day, whether it's something small or something big and being specific about what you're thankful for, your 
whole perspective will shift to one of success and your mindset will follow. So you must be giving thanks in advance. You know, I thank God for what, what's he going to bring today, whether that's a challenge and something I'm not going to like, or whether that's something great that's a blessing. Either way, if I'm giving thanks, I'm coming into an attitude of expectancy that I'm going to overcome this obstacle. And I'm also going to be thankful for what I have. Wow. I've I've never thought about it in that context. Just Just simple gratitude, making a habit of being thankful for what you have and where you are and what you're doing can potentially change your outlook on life and your, your, your mental attitude. Oh yeah. It's been one of the biggest game changers for me. I mean, it's completely transformed my life for sure. So let's talk about the next thing for me at least. And that is sharing your talents. And that's something that you've touched upon a few times, obviously for you from writing and and speaking um, you're doing what you can to, to share your talents. What, what's the profound impact that being able to do that has, has had on you? Obviously we talked about, <clears throat> excuse me, sharing your difficult moments and, and opening up the door to showing people that, that you are human, but you're able to do these things. What other talents do you feel like people are hiding that might be able to kind of open more doors for them or, or change that positive mental attitude? Um, I think when you're, when you're all in on growing your gifts, that what it does is it motivates you to just want to improve because what it does is it gives you these small wins. So when you're doing things that you're naturally gifted at, it's fun. You enjoy it. And so therefore it doesn't have to become force thing to do because it's just something you naturally like to do we all like to we all like to be rewarded with pleasure in doing something and if you're focusing on the things that you do well a lot of people beat themselves up about things they're not good at but they weren't designed to be good at those things and and that's that's the part that's very frustrating is that people are you know one person is designed to be a singer and they're getting frustrated that they can't make it to the nba well the problem is that you were never designed to go to the nba you were designed to be a singer and the, and the opposite is that that basketball player may want to become a singer, but they were designed to be a basketball player. So like you have to work into your gifts. You know, when you're working in your gift, it's like the zone of, of genius that happens. And a lot of people aren't in that zone. They're just kind of in their zone of mediocrity. They're just kind of going through the motions and, and doing um, things that come about. And they're not really honed in on and completely locked in and focused on what they're most talented at. And when you decide to work on what you're most talented at, that's when you have the most peace and joy because you're doing what you were called to do. So if I add that into what we had kind of layered earlier, and that is figure out where you're going, get yourself in the right environment, start meeting people who could be mentors or that you could mentor, and then on top of that, share those gifts and those talents that you have seems like a pretty cut and dry, straightforward way to, to improving your life. Maybe not necessarily monetarily specifically, or maybe not specifically in your personal relationship, but it seems like those steps might get you in the right direction to start addressing some of the F's that you talk about in your book. Yeah, absolutely. You got it. And writing for you seems to also be a really cathartic experience for you. So it seems like, and I know, again, I've, I've heard on a, a couple of interview, interviews, you talking about how you, your goal is to wake up early in the morning to get that me time without technology, without the phone, without the TV on, without anything. And you're just, you're writing, you're in your element. How much of that self-reflective habit that you've created 
has impacted not just your writing, but your public speaking as well? Well, I mean, it, it's scientifically proven that um, having time in the morning to yourself is um, helpful for your brain because what it does really? is that, yeah, it's, it's a scientific thing because what happens is when, so if someone someone wakes up at eight o'clock in the morning and they got to be to work mm-hmm. by 830, they're completely in a rush and in a panic. So they're starting their day off with stress and anxiety and worry. And that what happens is that compounds over time and carries on into the later morning, which can lead to the, that feeling at lunch and then that feeling after work and then you bring it home to your family. So what happens is like when your your brain is when you wake up early in the morning is that your brain has typically the least amount of what's called the cortisol levels, which is like this the stress chemicals in your brain are very low. Mm-hmm. And you have a higher dopamine level, which is like the feel good, happy sensation of the chemicals in your brain. And once that's your when your brain is in that state of where your certain um, stress levels are low and your happy chemicals are, are advanced in your brain, that's your time for your most creativity. Um, so your brain is relaxed, it's refreshed, it's renewed. And when you carve out time where you're not in a rush and you can kind of plan your day and you can think, pray, meditate, write, read, that's just kind of the things that I do in the morning. Some people exercise, things like that, hydrate your body and, and things like that. What you're doing is that you're giving your mind and your body a space to flow, a space to have creativity, a space to come up with ideas and brainstorm. So for me, the morning routine, you know, once I changed the time that I woke up, my whole life changed because now I'm not just rushing and waking up the last minute, carving out time. The most precious moments of the day are in the morning for me. And so it's just having that time every single day to myself. It doesn't have to be long. For some people, they need 10 minutes, 30 minutes, an hour, hour and a half, but you got to have some time to think and plan and prepare for your day. Being a veteran yourself and being in in the United States Army and serving the time that you served, a lot of people make the assumption that you probably already wake up early because you served in the military and you have this military discipline towards getting up in the morning. For you, is that true? I hated getting up in the morning. (laughs) I hated everything about it. (laughs) Well, it's funny because you talk about how important it is to be able to kind of structure your day so that you have those what was it? Higher dopamine levels and lower core cortisone? Cortisol. So, so you, oh, cortisol. Thank you. So for that, like, I don't know how it was for you, but I mean, I don't know. You probably remember this. Your CEO would say, Hey, be here at, you know, five in the morning, your platoon or your, your platoon leader says, be here at uh, four forty-five, and your platoon sergeant says, okay, that means four thirty, And then your section sergeant says that means four fifteen. So by the end of it, you're waking up at four in the morning to rush 15 minutes to get down to the company and you might have forgotten your PT belt. Like, that's not a way to get your day started, at least in the context that you're talking about. That's how I pretty much lived my life for many years. <laughs> it's exactly what you're describing right now. <laughs> I, I just always find that interesting because people are like, oh, Caleb, you don't like wake up early? Like, didn't you serve? And it's like, yeah, but that was so different. Like, that wasn't waking up early to to have a structured day to be able to set up how life is going that was i better hurry up and i forgot to shave and i'm about to get smoked that's what that was right right (laughs) so the other f that i kind of briefly wanted to talk about which also seems extremely important to you is fitness so when you talk about fitness do you feel like there's a specific mind body connection to, to having a healthy body helps having a healthy mind yeah i mean i truly believe um garbage in garbage out so if you're putting unhealthy things into your body 
um, your mind is is impacted by what you put into your body. So you're more likely to have negative thoughts if you're eating junk food. You're more likely to have healthy thoughts if you're eating healthy food because what happens is that when you're putting healthy foods into your body, you feel good about yourself. And once you feel good about yourself, then all of a sudden you want to keep that good feeling going. Okay, so now I'm eating healthy. I'm eating more fruits and vegetables. All of a sudden I want to go to the gym more. But no, if I'm eating cheeseburgers every day and french fries, I probably don't want to go to the gym as much. So there's the two are so closely connected. I just know that in times when I'm eating healthier, I want to work out more. You know, there's some, even though there's times I don't want to work out, I've just kind of created a, a lifestyle of that. So I continue mm-hmm. to do it anyways, even when I don't feel like it. But, you know, I've just noticed that, you know, the hardest part about working out is starting. That's what it I sure is. Like. I mean, once you get in the gym or once you get to the environment of where the, the weightlifting goes on and the exercising goes on, okay, then it's a piece of cake. So it's just having the courage to just go into that environment just to start to take the first step. That's the, that's the biggest challenge. That's crazy. It's, and you talk about food specifically. So I initially talked about fitness and the mind-body connection. You're talking about food. And, and the more that I think about that, I feel like you're you're definitely hitting the nail on the head. If you're eating um, cleaner, wholesome healthier food and generally you're going to have more energy and when you have more energy you have more ability to get up and go achieve those goals whether they be fitness whether they be your writing whatever it might be that's extremely important to make sure that your body is fueled properly so that your mind can do what it needs to do exactly i appreciate that i appreciate that so upcoming obviously is some motivational speaking i know covid probably put a huge damper on that, given the fact that not a lot of people are going out in public these days. Hopefully when COVID ends or when we all get vaccines or whatever happens, happens, hopefully we come back to some level of normalcy. What is it that you're looking to hopefully um, ultimately talk about? What If you would sum up your message in like a paragraph so that when people see your name out there, when you're going to some event to talk, this is what I can expect from Jesse Cruz and this is why I want to go see him. Yeah, I, I would just say that I my hope is that people know, should know that your deepest pain will be your greatest healing. What I mean by that is that the worst time of your life is preparing you for the best moments that lie ahead if you don't waste your pain. I don't want anyone to waste their tears or waste their pain because the, the, the tears and the pain are what preparing you for your purpose. And I want to encourage people to have the confidence and courage to share those challenges openly. Because if a person can't talk about something, what that tells me, and this is where I was at early on in my recovery of my daughter's passing, when I couldn't talk about it at all. And that's Mm -hmm. because it was out of control in my life. The pain was so consuming and overwhelming that I couldn't even speak about it. And when I was able to, to begin the process of healing and freeing myself from that pain. I mean, that pain is always going to be with me for forever. But when I was able to start the healing process, when I was able to talk about it. So I want people to be able to talk about the pain. So if you're looking to be challenged, not just get the anecdotal motivational screenshots that everybody posts, but, but truly be challenged by taking a negative point in your life or a poor experience or something that, that may have been just so detrimental to you and turn that into a positive, 
please do me a favor. Check out Jesse. He's he's on Facebook, LinkedIn. Uh, hopefully here soon he'll be doing more speaking engagements. I know you're on Twitter as well. Is there anywhere else that people can find you, Jesse? Yeah, I mean, those are, those are the best way. You know, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, Twitter. Those are the best ways. Or email. If people want to email me, authorjessicruz at gmail.com. All right. Hey, I appreciate the time, Jesse. I look forward to seeing, uh, hopefully you do some more motivational speaking. Uh, hopefully you keep uh, the, the Twitter and LinkedIn updated there. I know that's where I kind of keep track of stuff. So post when you're, when you're going to be out and talking. And uh, hopefully here in the near future, I'll be able to get a chance to meet you in person and uh, maybe get a chance to listen to you uh, speak live. Absolutely. I appreciate you, Caleb. Absolutely, brother. Thank you. Thanks.